You've heard his name, and you know he was a great preacher. Yet few people know the life story of Charles Spurgeon. He had a keen mind, but being a Baptist and nonconformist, even in the 1800s, he wasn't welcome at Oxford or Cambridge. It might surprise you that the Prince of Preachers was self-taught, and Spurgeon's love for Christ began humbly as well. In 1850, the 16-year-old was stumbling through a blizzard. He stumbled into a building that might get him out of the storm. Much to his surprise, he was inside a primitive Methodist church. The pastor couldn't make it, so a member stood up and read Isaiah, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. I am God, there is no other. The speaker knew the teenager was a stranger. There weren't many there. He looked straight at Spurgeon and said, Young man, look to Christ. And that night, Charles Haddon Spurgeon met Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today, here on the very first Tuesday of a brand new year, 2023. I'm Charles Morris, and we're in a series called The New Year with Spurgeon. And I sure hope you're staying warm, wherever you may be. I find that once the holidays are over, I realize just how cold the winter can be. And now that we're into January, the snow really starts, and the cold really gets into your bones. But we can be thankful for God's provision, can't we? You and I experienced His blessings this past year. Can you believe it? 2023, another year has started. I don't know about you, but whenever we come to a new year, it causes me to reflect. And I don't just mean this first week when I keep writing and saying 2022 instead of 2023. No, old habits aside, every year is a cause to thank God, to rejoice in His power and His goodness, to thank Him for another year of life on this earth, and to think about how Christ earned an even better place for us where we will live forever. And you know, no matter the year, our Lord remains the same. I'm thinking specifically of Charles Spurgeon right now. Today we're continuing our series, A New Year with Spurgeon, and I think Spurgeon's story is a wonderful testimony of God's grace to sinners. He wasn't born the Prince of Preachers, you know that. He wasn't even a believer until he was a teenager. We thought about that on yesterday's program. And in a few minutes, we're going to think more about his life, where he came from, and how the Lord used him, despite his humble beginnings. And then after the program, I'd like to send you a copy of his well-known and well-loved daily devotional called Morning and Evening. A while back, I asked British pastor Jeremy Walker why he thought Spurgeon's devotionals were still loved today over 150 years after they were written. Morning and evening, in some senses, is not that distinctive. There were other such devotionals uh, that were written at the time, and Spurgeon actually recommended some of them during his lifetime. So I think the, the Spurgeon name attached to the devotional is maybe one of the reasons for its enduring success, but it's certainly not the only reason. I hope it doesn't sound carnal, but the fact that the entries are so succinct that they're short and to the point really helps. They're also scriptural. It's not great exegesis in that sense, 
and I don't think it's intended to be. But there's a, a spirituality, there's a, a closeness, there's a comfort that comes uh, from those things. It's very sweet to the soul, and it's also substantial. Although it's brief, Spurgeon gets to the heart of things quickly and easily and clearly and just drives home these sort of gospel nuggets, if you like, holding Christ before us. And to have that at the beginning of the day or the end of the day is, is an enduring blessing. And I think because it's so easily accessible in the, in the style and the substance, that's why it has such value for so many people still. That's Jeremy Walker. He pastors a church just outside London, and he's been involved with many projects looking at the life and ministry of Spurgeon. And for your first-of-the-year gift to this ministry, I want to send you a copy of Morning and Evening by Charles Spurgeon. One page in the morning, one page in the evening, and every short devotional is based on God's Word, which will encourage and challenge you to know Christ better in 2023. And the special edition we have comes with a soft, leather-like cover with gold-stamped binding and easy-to-read typesetting. Plus, I appreciate how they have gently adapted Spurgeon's language for those of us reading today. So you can call us after this program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit us on our website. You can make your gift there at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now let's open the program with Bart Millard. He's in the group Mercy Me, and brethren, we have met to worship. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the Tell them all about the Savior 
Jesus, pray that holy blessings will be showered all around. takes me back to my childhood. It's from Hymned Again, Bart Millard, who grew up in East Texas. Brethren, we have met to worship on a haven today called A New Year with Spurgeon. This man, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, was born the son and grandson of pastors in 1834. Little did he know the Lord was preparing him to preach to thousands just by bringing him into this family. His parents sent him to live with his grandparents for five years, and that's where young Charles began to learn about God and the Bible. In fact, the two books that proved to be a great influence on his childhood were the Bible and, guess what, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. He read many more books than these, however, and this was the beginning of his informal education. But then he went to school. And according to one of his brothers, all he did was read. And it seemed to work. Young Spurgeon always seemed to be the top of his class. Many of these things were what God used in his ministry later. When he stood behind the pulpit at the Metropolitan Tabernacle and he preached Christ week after week, he was using what the Lord had given him in his childhood. A desire to read and learn. Fascination with the Bible and with theology and a love for his Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the stories from his childhood that really grabbed my interest is when he met the cook at his school, a woman named Mary King. She was not educated, but she did know Jesus and loved her Lord. As Spurgeon would later say, I learned more from her than I should have learned from any six doctors of divinity of the sort we have nowadays. Before long, the teenager Charles was converted, and then he was baptized, and that was only the beginning. In his own words, baptism loosed my tongue, and from that day it has never kept quiet. God was still preparing this preacher, and it wouldn't be long now. But isn't it amazing to think about? The Lord was using Spurgeon even if the young man didn't understand it at the time. He was teaching him, getting him ready for his future, just like our God does for us all. 
Now, I'm not saying that any of us are the next Charles Spurgeon. I'm certainly not. But I am saying that God still works in the same ways today. He uses things we wouldn't expect. Even during our childhood, the good times and the bad are all in our Father's hands. He molds us, teaches us, and puts us where he wants us to do what he has given us to do. In Spurgeon's case, what God had given him to do was boldly preach the gospel of Christ. But that doesn't mean that the young man knew all the details yet, especially the Sunday after his baptism, when he had to lead a Sunday school class. And from the sounds of it, he didn't sound prepared. This is how the Prince of Preachers remembered it. On a certain day, someone called, asked me, begged me, prayed me to take his class. I could not refuse to go. And there I was, held hand and foot by the superintendent and was compelled to go on. I was asked to address the children. I thought I could not, but no one else was there to do it. So I stood up and stammered out a few words. Apparently, his first time preaching was very similar. He was essentially tricked into it, only finding out that he was supposed to preach as he was walking to the service. But he began to tell the great story that's all about Jesus. And oh, how the Holy Spirit moved. The people loved hearing about Jesus, and they asked him to come back. The prince of preachers always had this great desire for others to know Jesus Christ as Lord and as the king of their lives, for the Son of God to be their Savior. God certainly seemed to be calling him, but he didn't know where the Lord would lead him. Spurgeon had a lack of formal education, what we would today call seminary or college, university, but he was bright, to use an understatement. God used him, and the training he had received in the homes of his father and grandfather served him well. And then, of course, there was Susanna. She heard Charles preach and was less than impressed. She thought he was a country bumpkin, as it were. But Susie, as she was known, kept running into this young preacher, and he helped reinvigorate her faith. And before long, they fell in love. And Charles and Susie married in 1856. Once again, God had worked in an unexpected way in the life of Charles Spurgeon. And that's how the Lord still works today, doesn't he? Providing for his children, saving sinners. Spurgeon knew that, and it affected his entire life and ministry. I think that's why so many people still read and love morning and evening. 150 years later, you can see Spurgeon's love for his unexpected Savior all over morning and evening. It's as clear as day. I want to share a reading with you from the morning of February 8th, and it's read for us by British actor Ted Staunton, who lives in Vancouver, British Columbia. You are to give him the name Jesus. Matthew one twenty one. When a person is dear, Everything connected with him becomes dear for his sake. Thus, so precious is the person of the Lord Jesus in the estimation of all true believers that everything about him they consider to be inestimable, beyond all price. 
All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia, said David, as if the very vestments of the Saviour were so sweetened by his person that he couldn't help but love them. Certain it is that there is not a spot where that hallowed foot has trampled. There is not a word which those blessed lips have uttered, nor a thought which his loving word has revealed, which is not to us precious beyond all price. And this is true of the names of Christ. They are all sweet in the believer's ear. Whether he is called the husband of the church, her bridegroom, her friend, whether he is styled the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the King, the Prophet, or the Priest, every title of our Master, Shiloh, Emmanuel, Wonderful, the Mighty Advisor, every name is like the honeycomb dropping with honey, and luscious are the drops that distill from it. But if there is one name sweeter than another in the believer's ear, it is the name of Jesus. Jesus. It is the name which moves the harps of heaven to melody. Jesus. The life of all our joys. If there is one name more charming, more precious than another, it is this name. It is woven into the very warp and woof of our psalmody. Many of our hymns begin with it, and scarcely any, if they are any good at all, end without it. It is the sum total of all delights. It is the music with which the bells of heaven ring, a song in a word, an ocean for comprehension, although a drop for brevity, a matchless oratorio in two syllables, a gathering up of the hallelujahs of eternity in five letters. Jesus, I love thy charming name. Tis music to mine ear. Ted Staunton, reading from morning and evening, the name of Jesus truly was music to Spurgeon's ear and his mouth could not stop proclaiming the glorious gospel. That's what he did with his life. Whether he was preaching to huge crowds, or talking to people one-on-one -on -one in the street, publishing sermons, or teaching a new generation of pastors, Spurgeon knew Jesus. And he wanted everyone else to know his Savior too. And so I should ask you, even as we listen to Graham Kendrick sing for us. Do you believe in this Savior? Oh, I was held dear Built my life upon All this world reveals And wars to own all I once thought gain I have counted lost Spent and worthless now 
Jesus from his very best album, Graham Kendrick, here on this Haven Today, A New Year with Spurgeon. I'm Charles Morris. How encouraging 
to hear that selection of morning and evening just before the song. He wrote this devotional nearly 150 years ago, but they still speak to us today of God's grace and God's love for his people. Every meditation is based on a single verse of Scripture, one in the morning, one in the evening. And I know each one will inspire and encourage you to rely on the Lord every day of this new year. And one other thing, the addition we have for you is a stamped gold foil binding with easy-to-read typesetting, and the language has been gently adapted using the words of Spurgeon for 21st century readers. And here at the beginning of 2023, this is the perfect time to take up the challenge to lean in more to God's Word. Why don't you call us right now? And for your gift of any amount to this ministry that's listener-supported, we'll send you morning and evening. Our number to call is 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online to our website. You can make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again together, we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Perhaps one of the most comforting things you can know about our God is that He is good, perfectly, unchangeably good, so good you can taste it. At least that's how Psalm 34 puts it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Or another psalm, how sweet are your words, speaking of Old Testament law. It's the kind of statement that makes you pause. Is he really that good? There's really only one way to find out, isn't there? Christ's words, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And before you think about cannibalism, remember, he's talking about faith and the promise of forgiveness for anyone who tastes and sees that he is truly good. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.